0: Hi, welcome to episode 620 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott. boots. why do they still exist? They've seen the camera technology, yet these poor bastards are still out there stopping traffic to collect your loose change. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue, issue one and going all the way to issue 645. Today is Fantastic Four, volume five, number three, from June, 2014. The Fall of the Fantastic Four, Part 3, by writer James Robinson and artist Leonard Kirk. So, there's a cover by John Romita Jr., one of my favorite artists. How come he has never worked on the Fantastic Four? That makes no sense. He's done pretty much everything else at Marvel, but not the Fantastic Four. Kind of surprising. So we pick up after Johnny has seemingly lost his powers. Reed is running some tests and brings up the fact that Johnny once died in the Negative Zone and was brought back to life in the Negative Zone. And Reed explains that some of the stuff used in the bomb that killed all those alien creatures, or stunned all those alien creatures last issue, They're they're still alive, The stuff that he used also came from the negative zone. And that's what took Johnny's powers away. So Johnny remains calm. If his powers are gone forever, he seems okay with it. But he thinks that Reed will do everything he can to make sure it happens otherwise. And he gets his powers back. I guess it's flame off, he says as he leaves the lab. You know, considering how much of Johnny's life is wrapped, wrap, wrapped up in being the Human Torch, I find it hard to believe that he's taking it so easy. I think more than just about any other superhero, he loves being a superhero and getting all the attention from the ladies. He's no longer one of the cool kids. He should be taking it harder. Meanwhile, Ben is over at Alicia's apartment, and he's going over some of his old Marvel 2-in-1 adventures. Ugh, Marvel 2-in-1. There's a lame book that Marvel will never bring back. Oh, wait. do oh. Now Ben talks about how Johnny's dealing with his powers being gone, and Alicia keeps working away on her statue of a half-man, half-bull, a minotaur? I think he's one of those creatures, characters from that team Zodiac. How does Alicia know what this creature looks like? Were they dating previously? I tell you, Alicia has always been one of those most, uh, inexplicable characters. She makes statues, but she's blind, so she has to touch her subjects to know what they look like. And I'm guessing there has to be a LOT of touching. But she's got statues of, like, Doctor Doom, and all kinds of superheroes and supervillains. I'm guessing this goes along with her low self-esteem issues. I think she's been whoring herself out to the heroes and villains so she can touch them, make their statues, and sell them for some serious bank. She's a very weird character, and I don't think any of the Fantastic Four writers have even scratched the surface of how crazy her life must really be. Alicia mentions that Ben seems happiest when he's dealing with some kind of evil or cosmic menace. And that can be, you know, difficult. I mean, Alicia is kind of like Huma Abedin, and Ben Grimm is like Anthony Weiner. And evil in danger is kind of like a cell phone. It will always disrupt and tear apart their relationships. Ben says, this time, he will protect her, he promises. You know, previously, not long before they broke up, a Nihilist came along, and he beat the shit out of Alicia. So you would imagine she should have some very serious concerns about getting back together with Ben Grimm. And then we see that they're being spied upon by a small man wearing a camera? who And there's being watched. that camera is being watched by the Puppet Master. Outside on the street, surveying the damage left by those creatures from the Heroes Reborn world, is a group that once had their own series of limited series published by Marvel Damage Control a group of construction people who rebuild the city after massive superhero supervillain fights yes, I repeat a group of construction people once had their own Marvel comic yeah, and here they are in the pages of The Fantastic Four take that Moon Knight the damage control guy asks Reed how these creatures got out. Reed says he's trying to figure that out. And later, Nick Fury Jr. calls up Reed to ask the same thing. Now, how crazy is it that Nick Fury Jr. also wears an eye patch just like his father? First of all, who in this day and age wears an eye patch? I think I've seen like one guy in my entire life with an eye patch. I think people in that condition usually just go for the glass eye, which is a little less showy, by the way. Second of all, how crazy is it that both Nick Fury and his son both lost an eye? I guess being the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. is like being a shop class teacher, but instead of losing a finger, you're gonna lose an eye. During the conversation, Nick mentions that the creatures are being held by S.H.I.E.L.D., and they have orders to terminate them all, which seems to ruffle Reed's feathers. Oh no, don't tell me, Reed's gonna go try and free the creatures from S.H.I.E.L.D. If Reed does that, I am done. I'm ending this podcast. Okay I'm ending this podcast anyway, but oh well. And down in the deep sea, we see some of these whale creatures with arms and legs. They are really cool. And Sue is in an underwater ship with the Future Foundation children, who are not very cool. They've been invited by the Submariner to take a tour of the area, the grazing area of the Gigantos, the whale creatures with arms and legs. Namer is outside, of the, outside the submarine swimming around, and Bentley points out to Franklin that Namer keeps looking in the windows looking at Franklin's mom funny. You know, I think the worst part about being a superhero is those tight uniforms. You know, erections? The Submariner better be careful here because he's got children watching for goodness sake. All the water is making the fish kids homesick. You know, uh, these are very (laughs) personality-free fish kids. I don't like these fish kids, they're terrible characters. Sue assures them uh, that she loves them all and she gives them a hug. This leads into a flashback before Volume 5 begins, where Sue walks into Valeria's room and finds a note left on Valeria's iPad. Which is a very strange way to leave a note. I mean, how long has that tablet been just sitting there with the power on, waiting for Sue to find it? I mean, if you just leave it on like that, is it going to shut down eventually? So, the note says that Valeria is leaving for Latveria to stay with Doctor Doom, She's tired of her dad's lies and secrets and how her mother is compliant in all these lies and secrets. And she also adds that she might be a good influence on Doctor Doom and help him change for the better. Yeah, good luck with that, you brat. We see Doom and Valeria together, Doom asks, what shall we do first? And she says that after trying to tear the world down, maybe they should try to build it up. Maybe they should start in Flint, Michigan and give those people a clean water system. Next we see Johnny in the office of his manager and he asks about the ticket sales on his tour. We don't see his answer, but it's probably uh, not very good. I think Johnny might do better if he just toured without the band or the music. He'd be better off doing one of those uh, Cameron Dallas type tours where he just shows up looks pretty, and rakes in the dough. Back in his lab, Reed has a revelation, and he immediately calls up Nick Fury Jr. and tells him not to kill the creatures. He knows how to put a stop to everything, and he adds that the creatures are human. They're people. They're people. Nick Fury's probably thinking to himself, damn, I probably shouldn't have eaten one of them. Later, Ben and Johnny are walking through Times Square. And you see people kind of glancing at them, suspiciously. You know, you would think they'd be gathering around, taking pictures with their cell phones. Because, you know, that's what people do in Times Square already. Ben asks Johnny how he's doing, and Johnny says he's tired of people asking him that. It's like picking at a scab. He asks Ben about Alicia, and Ben replies that, Now, they're back together! It feels like how it's supposed to be. Johnny mentions how Alicia was the love of his life. Most likely. But she turned out to be a scroll. Ben says the last he knew, Lijah the Scroll was trapped in the negative zone. Johnny says that he looked and he never found her when he was trapped there too. Next, we see a familiar crowbar. I don't think anyone's ever called a crowbar familiar before, but this one is probably because it's being being held by a purple gloved hand. It's the wrecker from the wrecking crew. You know those dudes who like to um. You know... Wreck stuff. He smashes down on the street, cracking it up. And people, including Ben and Johnny, go flying everywhere. Johnny tries to flame on. Ugh! That ain't gonna work. Ben says he'll handle it. But then, from the smoke, we see the rest of the new Frightful Four emerge. The Wizard, of course. And the other members of the Wrecking Crew. Thunderball. He's the guy with that big ball on a chain. And the other dude who's, like, been replaced by a girl. Or he transitioned. I don't know. I could Google about this and find out, but I don't care. I'm sure we'll find out more about this new Fightful 4 next issue. And I must say, this is the toughest-looking Fightful 4 yet. Of course, ditching paste Pot Pete is a good start. And with that, we've got 15 more issues to go. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast... Or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Dave Elliott at Podcast FF. And you can download other episodes on iTunes or find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. She sees them walking in a straight line. That's not really her style. And they all got the same heartbeat. Cruise has fallen behind